busy parents often do. Uh, he was trying to find a way for just a f- maybe a few moments, 10 minutes, 15, 20 would be great, um, to have his young daughter occupy herself so he could get a little bit of a breather. And he found a map of the world in a magazine and then tore out that page. He tore the page then into pieces. And he gave the pieces to his young daughter and said, here, honey, why don't you see if you can put this map of the world back together? And so her daughter, or his daughter, looked and in a, in a surprisingly short amount of time, she, she said she had finished. He was surprised by how quickly she had done it. And he asked her how she had managed to do it so fast. She replied, I noticed when you took a page out of the magazine on the back, there, uh, on, the, on the back of the map of the world, there was a picture of a man and a woman. And so, Daddy, I thought if I could put the man and the woman back together, I could put the world back together. God has a plan to put the world back together. And that plan includes you and me. It includes you whether you're married or single. It includes your family and my family. It includes us no matter where we are in life. It includes us all. Today, I want to talk to you about the restoration of all things. In your bulletin, uh, there's an insert called the GPS, the Grow, Pray, Study Guide, and I invite you to turn to it now and take it out. If you need a bulletin, please raise your hand and we'll be happy to have somebody come around. We promise we won't embarrass you, but just please raise your hand because I'd really like to have, Larry, could you come? There's someone in the back there. Thank you. Larry will come and distribute bulletins. I'd really like for everyone to have um, one of these in in your hands um, today. This will help you as we follow along with the message this morning. Your GPS is on the back of the prayer list, and it includes space for you to write down notes, things you'd like to remember uh, from the sermon this morning. Uh, It also includes some questions for reflections and and a list of next steps uh, for you to uh, apply this message, respond to it, and apply it uh, to your life this day and um, this week. And then near the bottom, the GPS includes a heading, Explore the Bible 2018 Reading Plan, and then a list of readings for the upcoming week from our daily church-wide reading and preaching plan called Explore the Bible 2018. I would love to to have you join us and participate in in this initiative. It doesn't matter if you've never read the Bible before. It doesn't matter if you've tried earlier and then you just kind of lost track. It's a great time to come with us on this journey. Follow along, and we would love to have you participate in that way. I encourage you to use this tool and to be people who uh, read and read the Bible and pray daily because as we read the Bible, as we pray, we find that God speaks to us. On the top half of the GPS are three statements. They represent the three main points of the message this morning, and they will help us understand the significance of the biblical vision for the restoration of all things. And how that includes your life. I suggest you fill in the blanks as we go along because that will help you better respond uh, to God's message for us uh, today. It's been really a difficult uh, few weeks uh, for us in our community. 
uh, several weeks ago, the, the flooding, flash flooding, uh, severely damaged uh, parts of your county. You probably heard about it or saw news reports. Uh, some of the pictures were just staggering, and, and, it, and it all happened so quickly. We also heard, as Chris referred earlier in his prayer, about the, the tragic news that two youth, one from Dallastown, one uh, from the Northeastern School District, uh, took their own lives. Now, our hearts go out to their families and friends. Two weeks ago, a pastor in California took his own life. These issues of uh, depression and related challenges, they affect all kinds of people. Plans are underway for us to hold a community conversation about suicide risk reduction this fall at our community youth center, The Link, which is located right across the street from our main building. There are no easy answers to these challenges. But it's so important for people to know they are not alone and they are loved. It's so important for you to know you're not alone. And you are loved. Whatever our struggles or fears may be, we don't walk this journey of life alone. No matter how deep the darkness may be, God's love is deeper still. You are loved. We can point to many examples of brokenness around us and within us. As a society, we've become accustomed to identifying the, the problems and the suffering of others or even ourselves because we've seen so much of it. But sometimes we don't ask the crucial question, is there any hope for restoration? Is there any hope for restoration? And then the follow-up, if so, how can we find it? Where can we find it? Because we all desperately need it. I believe there is hope. Otherwise, destruction would win. Death would win. But I've seen too much goodness and beauty in this world to accept that that could be what happens. The Christian message is that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. Therefore, there is hope. That realization doesn't immediately take away our pain, fear, or grief, but it can bring peace and help us heal. Hope meets us right where we are, right down in the messiness, in the confusion, in the chaos, the doubts, the fears, the questions, right there in those hard places. Hope meets us. And it comforts and sustains us. Hope strengthens us and enables us in the face of suffering, even death, to keep going. But for it to do that, hope has to be grounded in something that is reliable and enduring. Our scripture reading for today speaks of that hope. It gives us an audacious vision that is God's vision, God's plan for the fulfillment of his purposes. It describes God's promise for the restoration of all things. Listen to these words. 
In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of mountains. It will be exalted above the hills, and peoples will stream to it. Many nations will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so we may walk in his paths. God's holy teaching will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between many peoples and will settle disputes for strong nations far and wide. Then listen to this part. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. They will all sit under their own vines and under their own fig trees, and no one will make them afraid. For the Lord God Almighty has spoken. We see here three key points about what is to come for us and our world. First, and again, I encourage you to fill in the blank on your GPS. The Lord promises to restore all things. This time of future restoration is rooted in the promises of God. It's not just about our wishful thinking. It's not something we've come up with on our own and then said, hey, wouldn't this be wonderful? Maybe it will happen. Wouldn't that be great? No. This vision comes from God. It's, it's, it's a resolution that God himself promises to bring about for the world he made, the world he sustains, the world he cares so deeply about. As Micah tells us, the Lord Almighty has spoken. It's like an exclamation point. <laughs> so if God has spoken, then we can ask, well, what, what has God said here? <laughs> what God says here is that the time will come when there's lasting peace for our world and peace for us as well. Instruments of violence will be transformed. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Another way of putting it is they'll trade in their swords for shovels, their spears for rakes and hoes. Those things once used to inflict harm on others or even on ourselves will become instruments of peace and tools used to grow good things. We won't train for violence or war anymore. We'll quit fighting one another, quit learning how to harm one another or how to harm ourselves. Basically, God is saying that when all is said and done, this is what the world will look like, a transformed world, a new creation. The Lord Almighty says so. And he means what he says. God promises to restore all things. Second, we can anticipate the restoration of all things. That means we can look ahead in confidence, knowing that that time is coming. It's what our world longs for. It's what our, our souls yearn for. And it's coming, God says. We can look ahead to that time. At a basic level, we all understand this idea of anticipation. Think about the things in your life that you anticipate. 
Maybe it's that upcoming birthday uh, for you. You're excited about the, the gifts you might get, the party. Or for your child or your grandchild. And you're excited and you're putting the plans together and it's going to be great. Maybe, if you're like me, you've already started, at least in some way, to anticipate Christmas. <laughs> to get excited. You know, it's coming. It's not that far off. Maybe, also if you're like me, you spent a good deal of time in the heat and humidity of the summer anticipating cooler weather. Anybody else anticipate that? Yeah? And now it's here. We were looking ahead, and now it's here. Now, I didn't know it would involve so much rain, <laughs> but we know what it means to anticipate. And yet, in a much more wonderful way, we can look ahead to what will happen in God's time. We can anticipate it. We can look ahead to it. We can also look around to see signs that it's already begun. We can look around to see glimpses uh, here and now of this new creation promised by God. We see glimpses of it when the hurt and grieving are comforted, when the lowly are lifted up, when what has been broken is put back together again and made whole. The Lord promises to restore our broken world. We can anticipate that restoration we need by looking ahead and, and looking around. The third point is so important for us to understand and respond to. As we anticipate, we can participate in God's work to make all things new. A bit of a mouthful, but as we anticipate, we can participate in God's work to heal and restore. What that means is we're not called simply to be passive observers who only sit and wait. We're called to do so much more than just sit on our hands or just point out the problems. Yes, we can look ahead to what will happen. Yes, we can look around to what's already happening, yet there's more. And this really is the best part. God calls us actually to get involved, to play our part. God is calling ordinary people like you and me right now to participate in his extraordinary work of bringing healing, wholeness, and restoration to the broken places in our lives and our world. Jesus came into this world, into our suffering and pain to be God with us. He came to redeem us and to inaugurate the kingdom of God to begin here on earth, God's gracious reign and rule as it is in heaven. It's already begun in Jesus. These days, many organizations or companies have a mission statement. You might, at your place of employment, have a mission statement that your boss has taught you, maybe even makes you memorize <laughs> and regurgitate. Why? It's important. This statement is supposed to tell you and your coworkers what the mission is, what your purpose is, your reason for existence. 
You might be part of another group out in the community, the Scouts, for example, that has a mission statement, a, a PTO group. You know, what's the mission? What's the purpose? It's good and helpful to ask those questions. You know, you might even be thinking on a very personal level, what is my mission beyond the work I do um, Monday through Friday? What's my mission in my home, in the community? Think about those questions. It's helpful. You know, Jesus adopted a mission statement too. When Jesus began his ministry, he announced his mission statement by reading aloud from the prophet Isaiah. This is what he said. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and recovery of sight for the blind, to heal those who are bruised and release the oppressed, and to announce that the time had come when God would save his people. That's quite a mission statement. And then after reading those words, Jesus said, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And he was referring to himself. In other words, that's exactly what Jesus came to do. These words describe what Jesus is all about. They're there in Luke chapter 4. You can go back and read them this week, quoting from Isaiah chapter 61. Beautiful, powerful, amazing words. And they're all about what Jesus came to do and therefore what we as his followers must value and pursue ourselves because that's our mission. In Jesus, the kingdom of God has begun and one day this kingdom will be completed. He lived and died for us so we could be restored and healed, redeemed, made whole. Jesus has power over death. Death wasn't the end for him, and death is not the end for us either. Now he's alive and he's Lord over all. That means nothing in life or in death can keep us from God's great love for us in Jesus Christ. As we follow Jesus, we have the immense privilege of living in God's kingdom now and doing our part to build God's kingdom, one believer at a time, person by person, because that's how it works and spreads and grows. You can participate in God's work to make all things new. And you might be thinking, well, what can I do? I don't have the gifts. I don't know what to say. Here's all you need, a willing heart. <laughs> a willing heart is all it takes. God will will use the gifts you have, some of which you might have yet to discover, to be a blessing to those around you, to bring blessing, to bring healing, to bring wholeness and restoration. You can be part of that. It's why you were made. It's your purpose. And so God calls you and is counting on you. We have such a wonderful mission as the church. The church is the body of Christ in the world. That means we are to be the vessel, the channel of the presence and work of Jesus in our world today. You and me, the church, the world needs us because the world needs Jesus. Now, this is God's work, but it's through our 
hearts and our hands. Comfort the afflicted. Lift up the fallen. Encourage the weary. Strengthen the weak. And you can do that and more in Jesus' name. In a moment, I'm going to mention two ways you as a church are doing that. Two ways, just last week, that when you heard about local needs, you quickly responded. Last week's message was about what the Lord requires of us, based on words from Micah chapter 6. And those words mentioned three things in response to the question, what does the Lord require of you, of me, of us? Those of you who remember what those three things are, you can say them with me aloud now. To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. It's what the Lord requires of us. Last week's message ended with a challenge for each of us to start each day that week with this simple prayer. Lord, help me today to act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with you. I encouraged you to join me in praying that prayer each day, each morning, and then seeing how God would use that prayer to set the tone for your day. Here are two ways that has happened. One person from our church, Tim, has a neighbor who lost everything in the recent floods. His neighbor's home was swept away, totally demolished. In response, Tim and his family are donating profits from their farm's sweet corn sales to help their neighbor. News 8 picked up the story. Here's a clip. Our storm team coverage on that, Corinne. The cleanup continues. Those areas include damage to buildings and infrastructure. Right now in Transferred Township, the cleanup has neighbor helping neighbor. Father Tim Jordan is donating profits from his sweet corn stand to Donnie Grove's family, whose home went down a creek along with four cabins. There are other families out there too, um, you know, that, that are suffering as well. The governor's tour is expected to begin at 4.15 this afternoon at the York County Office of Emergency Management. Back to you. All right, thank That's faith in action. That's loving your neighbor. Another story uh, has to do with local schools. Uh, do you remember the Scholastic uh, book sales, those monthly sales? How many of you remember that? Raise your hand. You, you remember the excitement of getting to page through that catalog and pick out the books, choose the titles, and know that the time would come when those would be delivered to you. You'd get to receive those books and take them home with you. You could read them at home. You could brag to your brother or sister, look at the books I got, whatever, however you wanted to do it. But you could add those books to your home library. Do you remember the excitement? Yeah, I do. You know, there are some students who can't afford to buy those books. And that's just wrong. That shouldn't be. Last week I heard from several local teachers who said it's just heartbreaking. What do they do? Do they share the book orders knowing some kids can get books, probably a lot of books, others can't get any? Well, these teachers began an initiative to raise money for scholastic books so every child in their classrooms gets a book every month to read at home and to keep. They don't have to return it. It's not a library book that they're borrowing. It's theirs. It's something they can be proud of, something they can use to build their home libraries. 
And as I heard about this initiative, it was amazing to see how quickly people responded. But there's more work that can be done. We as a church are going to offer our support too. For every person in attendance at our three services today, we will donate $1 to this cause. Now, that might not sound like much per person, but Scholastic sells books each month that cost only $1. So each person here and each person in our two previous services represents one more book a teacher can put in the hands of a student. That's one more opportunity for a student to read at home and get excited about reading and learning and growing. If you are our guest today, thank you so much for coming because You've added to our total, so thank you. Thank you for being here. Because you came to worship with us today, that means more money will be given to local schools to support this cause, to help kids read. Now, I, I, I want to mention that to our guests in particular. I'm not going to thank our members or our regular folks. You ought to be here every week anyway. <laughs> and in fact, you've made a commitment to God. If you've joined the church, you've made a commitment. I will, I will prioritize worship that I will be faithful in worship. But I want to thank our guests for coming because by coming, you're part of this. We're all part of this together. It will make a difference. Think about the importance of reading in a child's development. It's huge. Last week, I was talking with several people about this topic, and one of them said to me, you know, thinking about how important reading is for kids and their development, I think to my own childhood. And this person said, I recognize that Today, one reason I am who I am is because when I was a child, my parents and teachers taught me a love for reading. Then another person I was speaking to talked about the significance of reading for brain development, and I learned all kinds of things. I mean, this is crucial. And then this person said, kids today need less screen time and more book time. I thought, there's a mic drop. <laughs> In these ways and others, we can participate in God's work here and now. And that makes such a difference. On the subject of reading, I want to close with words from a great writer, the British poet T.S. Eliot. He was one who knew life was not always easy and yet held steadfastly to the Christian hope for us and our world. He used his gifts to help point people toward that hope. Little Gidding is uh, the fourth and final poem in a series of poems called The Four Quartets. And these poems together deal with some pretty big and important topics. Time, perspective, humanity, and salvation. Little Gidding was first published in September 1942 after being delayed for over a year because of the bombings of Great Britain uh, from the Nazis during World War II and because of Eliot's own uh, health issues. In the midst of a world at war with the bombs dropping around him and while facing his own declining health, T.S. Eliot had the confidence and the faith to write these words. And all shall be well, and all manner of thing shall be well.
This is a vision of the ultimate restoration of all things. It's a vision similar to that shared by the prophet Micah from of old. A vision that reflects God's grand and glorious purposes. And all shall be well. And all manner of thing shall be well. And you can claim that vision for your life, for our community, for our world today. Because the Lord promises to restore all things. We can anticipate the restoration of all things. And as we anticipate, we can participate in God's work to make all things new. That's a mission worth giving your life to. In Jesus' name, let's pray. Lord, thank you for your promise to restore what suffering has bruised and broken and what sin and death have destroyed. Help us anticipate the completion of your kingdom and participate each day in your work to make all things new. We pray in Jesus' name, and as he taught us, now we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Friends, in